I'm Arya Schwartz, along with my co-hosts tonight, Rachel Galligan, Pat Ralph, and the very special Brady Klopford, a.k.a. The Klopp. Welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W, using X's and O's along with key stats. We bring honest and critical analysis. This, this episode, we're going to preview Game 3 of the WNBA 2018 Semifinals. Our two matchups right now is Phoenix taking on Seattle, and they move down to Phoenix, and D.C. taking on Atlanta as they shift to D.C. First things first, Phoenix and Seattle. Uh, Brady, we kind of, I know this is your first time on the episode, second time on the episode, kind of with these, I'll ask a question or two, feel free to go as long as you want, and we'll kind of chime in and, and see how it goes. Brady, I want your take, you first. Phoenix, Seattle, does Phoenix have the ability to even salvage this to, to force a game four or maybe game five? What are your thoughts, Brady? See, in game two, I am not willing to put any limit on what Phoenix is capable of. I think there's a very good chance that this series ends Friday, but I don't think you can close the door on Phoenix, especially just to force it to a game four. They're, they played very well in the second half of that game. Tarasi reminded us that while Stewart may be the MVP, she can be the best player on the court at any moment. Um, and and they're fired up. Diana Tarasi is, is not a player, nor is Brittany Griner, to hang their head when they're down to nothing. Um, they're, I think they're going to come out with a lot of energy. I still think the series is is pretty much over, but there's there's no way I'm ready to count them out yet. If I had to guess... I'm going to say that they steal them tomorrow and then the series ends at game four. Pat, do you agree? I think the, I think Phoenix, I wrote about this today. They've got a lot, you know, this is the thing is that the margin of error is just razor sharp thin between these teams because they're both so good and they're both so evenly matched. They play such a similar style. And, you know, you saw that it's the same score in both games, 91, 87, 91, 87. And it's the smallest things where a couple turnovers here, a couple more rebounds here, a couple more steals here, assists, like that can make the difference. And you have to be able to execute. And overall, Seattle has had the better execution. You know, Phoenix has been good, but Seattle has just been better. They're just a better version of Phoenix. And I think Phoenix can, I think they will win Friday night. I think they're going to be home. The X factor, you know, that crowd gets rocking. That's a tough place to go in and win. I think they're going to come in ready to go. Um, I think they win, they defend home court, and they get back into the series. Um, but they're going to need some things to go their way. They're going to need to shoot the ball better from three. Um, they're going to need to be more consistent than that performance they had through three quarters on um, on Tuesday night. And they're going to have to defend better. They haven't been great defensively. they got to slow Seattle down because they cannot get into a track meet with Seattle. they got to slow it down. Um, and, and as I, I've said this before, and – I know you've said this. We've we've said this a lot already. Like, Brittany Griner has to play better. Uh, she's got to be more consistent. You know, you can't have someone like Griner foul out in overtime. And you saw how it cost them. You know, they they gave up a lot of rebounds. Sue Bird just you know lollygagged right to the hoop with that layup. That doesn't happen if Griner's in there. So um, it's just very Phoenix has their work cut out for them. But I think that they feed off the home crowd. Like Brady was saying, when you have Tarazi and what she can do. You know the the this you know as our good friend Michael Jordan once said the ceiling is the roof, and um and uh, um and Dewana Bonner just does everything. She's the she's the you know Swiss Army knife for this team. 
So it's just, this is, you know, Phoenix, I think, can win tomorrow night, but they got a lot of things they need to do better. I agree with you guys both. Um, something that is in the back of my mind, and I think it's going to be a whole episode in its own that we'll have to do later on, is at what point does this, like, I understand Tarasi's GOAT resume is up there, you know, one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of the game. Um, my question in this, uh, like I said, it's going to go to a whole other episode, so I'm not going to, but something I want to plant in your mind. At what point does this kind of become the narrative of this team, of this Mercury team, where they just couldn't get over the hump? They're a perennial team, that uh, a perennial semifinals team, but they can't get over the hump. At what point does it become much, you know, something more than just, you know, this is a team that has a goat and has Brittany Griner, one of the, uh, in all honesty, I'll say a player who has never lived, one of the most biggest disappointments as far as the potential she has in living up to it. I know I'll get some flack for that, but that's how I feel. Uh, feel free to chime in, but I do want to move over to Seattle. Uh, Pat, then Brady. Seattle Storm, my biggest concern is they are not fire tested. What did we see when they had a big lead? They blew it, and they looked scared in those late minutes when Phoenix kind of made it into a game. They were able to to do some stuff, but Pat, I want your take. Yeah. I mean, see how, how much faith do you have in this team when it comes down? You know, I, how much faith do you have in this team? Okay, you bring up a good point. Is that you know Seattle? My concern with them coming into the playoffs, and this is what shows how good of a team they are. Is my only concern with them was. What happens when a game gets close, a la game two? Um, and you've got to find a way to execute in the half court when the game slows down. It's not a track meet. What happens? Um, you know, I came away from game two. Uh, I came away with why I stop you and I am disagreeing with you a little bit is they showed us something in that overtime period. Um, Rachel, I think you tweeted this, I think. So I will let, I'm going to hand this off to you if it's you who tweeted this, but you know, Seattle could have just rolled over and just been like, we're done. We blew a double digit lead in the fourth quarter. Tarazi hasn't missed a three. Um, Phoenix is clicking right now. They could have just rolled over and said, ah, we're done. And just could have checked out, you know, having blown the lead, but you need, when you win a title, it's not just that you're good physically or good that you can you know good on the floor but it's what happens in between the years Rachel we've talked about this like what what's going on in the head and Seattle showed that you got to be mentally tough to win a game like that after blowing double digits in the fourth quarter you've got to be mentally strong to be able to pull that out in overtime and um, obviously the grinder fouling out thing hurt Um, obviously being at home helps too but I'm impressed with Seattle for pulling that out. And I think they they showed us a lot with that winning game too. And I just think that, you know, they've got a very good chance where they could close this out in three or four. And the next time they're playing in Seattle is opening up the WNBA finals against whoever comes out of that series. So uh, I think you, your concerns are legit, Ari, that these are things that we were concerned about coming in this series. Seattle answered the call. They answered the bell in game two. Let me just chime in, guys, um, kind of to echo what you were talking about, Pat. I mean, a couple things, just first and foremost, about Brittany Griner. It's crazy that we're sitting here and criticizing Griner when this is a player who's averaged, you know, well over 20 points these last two seasons. And um, it is actually, you know, it's so dominant in her own right. It's just there's almost something about her in moments where you're like, what is it about Griner at times that can be so frustrating? 
Um, and so I, I'm not disagreeing with you, Ra. It's it's the fact that like she's averaging 20 points a game. So how can we be critical of that? She, she is dominant. The the fact that the Phoenix Mercury are in the semifinals doing what they're doing, she's a dominant presence inside. But it's almost like it's almost like at times you wish you had more. Um, and in a and a, a mental breakdown that she had in those final moments. Um, before the the overtime period or in the overtime period. I mean, that was, um, I, I've just thought a lot about that. When I was in college, my coach would have called that a selfish play. Shout out to my college coach, Brady Sally. But that, that, that would have been a, called a very selfish play. You know, you, you put your team in a, you've worked so hard to get back to that point. Seattle, as much as, you know, people, I have praised them for what, how they responded in that, in that overtime period was incredible. Um, that, that is a a great show of mental toughness. They had some major breakdowns in that fourth quarter. Um, and and it wasn't just because of what Tarazi was doing. It was just kind of silly, kind of at times young mistakes, um, that were going on at the floor where maybe they should have understood time and score more. So you did kind of see a chink in the armor there with the Seattle storm at times of man, like, could you expose this to a point where they're going to, they're going to get beat? Um, they're obviously not indestructible, uh, but they did respond to Pat, just to kind of say what you said, just to go from blowing that 19 point lead to having those mistakes down the stretch, you know, Phoenix probably should have ran away with that game, you know, when they had that momentum. Um, and so I, I, my kind of my prediction, I, I, I'm going to change my tone a little bit on this from, from the last podcast. I, I feel like Phoenix is going to pull this one out. Um, because I feel as if they've had a little bit of time to rest. Um, they, they played six game in 12, 12 days, um, which is, which is a big deal. Um, they're back home. I think they're going to have that momentum. And as long as you have, you know, Pat Brady, I'm obviously everyone in the world, as long as you got Tarazi on your team, you can't, you can't cut them out. Um, but I, I, I feel like after that, it's going to be done. Seattle's gonna, Seattle's going to, uh, take control of this thing, um, in game four. But, but how wild would a game five be? I mean, I the, the thing that I I'm hope. really interested in, right? <laughs> well, and that's why, Brady, I want your take on this uh, now that you have no horse in this race. But I'm kind of curious. I, I'm looking at these two series, and I'm kind of more excited for Atlanta-Washington because it seems much more of a chess match. Um, and maybe that's just because, you know, you have a team that, if you want to say, has well, – it's, I don't even think it's a question – DC has a lot more star power than Atlanta. So you have a team, if you will, taking on stars, which has always been a, a great storyline. Um, but I guess my question is, is moving on to the next series, Brady, what are your thoughts? I mean, do does DC or Atlanta, before we even get into that matchup, do either of these teams have the formula to beat Seattle? I don't think Atlanta does. I... I, I really like what you just said about kind of team versus star power. And I think that's been the beauty of this dream team. They've been one of my favorite teams to watch this season for that very reason. Um, I love, I love to watch teams that come together, play as a team and, and manage to create this hole that's greater than the sum of its parts, but there's only so far it can take you. Um, they've overperformed. And especially with McCautry not being out there, at some level, talent takes over. And Seattle and Phoenix, for that matter, are just more talented teams than Atlanta is, when, especially when you remove McCautry from the, from the equation. Washington, it all comes down to Deladon and 
if there's any health and life left in that knee. Um, I think they absolutely can challenge Seattle. I think they can win that series. I don't think they will. I think Seattle is has to be considered the clear favorite right now, even regardless of being up in that series and knocking on the door of the finals. Uh, I think they're just pretty clearly the best team. But Washington has that combination of star power of Deladon and still the quality team play on both ends of the floor that in a five-game series, they can do just about anything. They can beat just about anyone, especially because Stewart, who was my MVP pick, as good as she's been this year, I still think Deladon is probably the best player in the league, even though she wasn't necessarily the most valuable player this year. When you have the best player on the that's free. <laughs> I'm glad to I'm glad to have some support there. Um, I know not not a lot of people feel that way. I think Deladon and Candace Parker are the two best players in the league. Personally, that's a, a debate for another pod. But but on any given day, if you have the best player on your team, and then you add in the role players they have with Cloud and Tolliver, I shouldn't call them role players, but the you know the secondary pieces they have, the coaching they have with Tebow, and that's a team that can absolutely be, beat Seattle, even though my money would definitely be on the storm. But like we were talking, like Pat and Rachel were talking about with, with the storm at the end of that game, there were some miscues, even though I was impressed with, with the fortitude they had in overtime to still win that game. There were miscues with the time and the situation of that game going into the fourth quarter, even on the final play. We all like to look at Tarasi and go, wow, what an incredible play she made to tie that game at the end of regulation. And she did. She hit an absolutely outstanding shot but Seattle has to know that Tarasi is getting the ball in that situation it's an ATO that Phoenix loves to run and even though they made it a pretty difficult shot for her they looked scrambled with a play that Phoenix runs with some regularity to the player that everybody in the arena knows is getting the ball and Seattle still looked a little bit panicked a little bit surprised by what was happening and when you have a coach who is as much of a veteran as Tebow, and you have the kind of stars who are as smart as Deladon and Tolliver, that is an equation that can feast on a team if that team makes mental mistakes. So I would favor Seattle in that series, but if they don't bring their sharpest mental game, Washington would would find the holes and find the weaknesses that can be exploited, and that could get very interesting very fast. I, I completely agree with you. It's it's something that I've been wrestling in my mind of, you know, I, I was talking to my mother, shout out to my mom, on the phone uh, earlier today, and we were talking about the playoffs, and I said to her, I'm torn because I want to see an amazing finals, and honestly, which the side that I'll take in the whole Atlanta versus D.C. take is which team do I think can put up a better fight against Seattle? No offense to the Mercury or the Mercury fans. And I go back and forth each day with could, and I, I kind of want to throw this over to Rachel, Do which coach do you think? Because to me, I, I agree with everything Brady said. At a certain point, it comes down to star power and, and stars, and, and we talked about it with Connecticut also. Who's going to be the one to take that shot? Who, if, if it was just a coaching thing, at this point, this season, this year, Rachel, who do you have more faith in being able to put together a game plan uh, to, to dethrone the current Kings, if you will? 
I absolutely hate you for that question. <laughs> um, uh, gosh, I, I, I don't know. I don't think I, I, I think all of these coaches are brilliant in their own way. Um, I think they are so experienced in their own way. Um, you, you could go top to bottom. I mean, all with all four teams, um, just kind of what they've been able to do and how they've been able to do it. Um, so I, I'm going to take the, the pitiful way out. I, I think I, I don't know. I, I don't know that one because I, I, I really value every single one of them. And I, and I really, um, I just respect them so much. So I, I don't know who, who else has something to say on this. Congratulations. I'm officially stumped. I don't know. All right. Can you repeat the question again? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I had to I had to drop it on it. Uh, the the question is 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 looking at the Atlanta DC series. If it came if it comes down to coaches, yeah. Pat, who's your money on? If you had to gun to your head, money on the line, who are you putting your money Ooh, on? That's tough. On? I don't blame Rachel for uh, giving a non answer. You know, I don't blame her. Um, Tebow is brilliant. I mean, I I, yeah. I guess and Nikki's one of my great friends, and I don't want to answer this question. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's hard. You know, I, I, it's, it's so tough. Cause you, like you said, it's, and I'm kind of like, maybe I'm going to cop out here too, but like, they're just, it's very different. You know, like, I mean, I said this on the last podcast, but like the mystics teams, like, you know, with them, they're going to be a very high floor, you know, they're going to be really smart. Kind of like Brady was saying, they're very disciplined. They're very focused. They're not going to make a lot of mistakes. They're not going to make a lot of mental errors. They, they're a seasoned team. They know what they're doing. And they're going to execute. The ceiling might not be as high as it is for a Seattle or a Phoenix, um, but it can. The floor is really high, and you know that you're going to like their bad performance is still not going to be as bad as it could be for another team. Um, but then, like what Nikki's got is this culture she's established too, and she's like the modern day head coach in today's sports. That it's the younger coach who's you know. Uh, you know, um, isn't like necessarily talking down to the players, but it has a eye level, you know, peer to peer relationship with the players that we see so common in the NBA and major league baseball now. And it's starting to see a little bit in the NFL. And, um, you know, this is a growing trend now. Um, but I don't know, you know, I don't know. You have the experience with Tebow who's been there and done that. Um, but then you have Nikki who really, knows her X's and O's. Um, and so, I mean, either way though, I think we can agree if you have either of those coaches on your side, it's like Rachel said, you have four outstanding coaches that are left and I would take any of those four on my bench with, with the, with the jobs that they have done, not just this year, but looking at their full, you know, you know, picture and what they, yeah. Uh, let, let me put a quick plug in there, not just for the head coaches, but, but let's keep in mind some of the, you know, this, the whole the entire staff that yeah. they put together. Yeah. Um, especially, especially someone like Nikki Collin. Um, and I'm, this is by no means calling her inexperienced. That is not what I mean. But when you're a head coach, you've got to hire to your strengths and to your weaknesses. And yeah. she has done a tremendous job with that. Um, and so, so has uh, coach T, you know, that they both have, have, have hired to, to their strengths and to their weaknesses and to be able to reach these girls um, and motivate them and drive them and, and um, develop them, continue to develop them um, in these teams to the point in which they have. So shout out to all the assistant coaches out there. Absolutely. So I'm going I'm to drop the foghorn again because both of you essentially copped out. <laughs> Brady, please, please. Can I talk um, to me, man? Don't cop out in a new and unique way? 
Yes. Cop out. Here's how I see it. I think that all of these four coaches, and especially Tebow and Colin, are a perfect fit with the teams that they're coaching. I, Not that they wouldn't be good with other teams, but I like Nikki Collin coaching Atlanta a lot more than coaching Washington. I like Tebow coaching Washington a lot more than I, I like him coaching Atlanta. Their styles, the things that they do well, work very well with their personnel. Like Rachel was talking about Colin with that collaborative effort that she's kind of bringing in and, and really rising up all of the players and creating something bigger than what anyone thought that team could be capable of. That's huge. And that plays really, really well in the playoffs where it's all about who can overachieve the most. But then you have Tebow, who's a guy who, like Pat said, raises the floor of a team. They're not going to make a lot of mistakes. He knows how to put the ball in the hands of his best players and let those stars shine the brightest and put them in the positions where they are most likely to succeed. So I think they're both, both of those coaches are great and in the perfect situation. I voted for Colin for coach of the year. If I had to gun to my head, since I don't want to be the third cop out here, if I had to pick a coach to try to beat Seattle, I would go with Tebow. Um, by the narrowest of margins, um, largely just based on experience at that point and the and the level of discipline. I I hear you. I guess my my one rebuttal, and thank you for actually answering the question, Brady. Unlike Pat and Rachel, ditto, Brady. Ditto. Um, there you go. <laughs> well, I, and I'm and I'm going to play devil's advocate because that's one of my favorite things to do, and I'm going to vote Colin. And and the reason I'm going to vote that and I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, it's not me just, you know, disagreeing, but I mean, it is me disagreeing, but you know, for me, it's Tebow is yet to accomplish that feat. He's yet to, to bring home the title. And I'm not saying that history will repeat itself. I just think that given time and Nikki's talked about this a lot, given time, you can plan for a team. And I just, I think game, if it comes down to game plan wise, I think, I, this season, this season, have more faith in Nikki to put a game plan together that can defeat the storm, that can quiet the storm, if you will. Um, the question for me is more so what you were talking about, Brady, is, you know, having the right tools for their coaching style. And, you know, when you have DC having that star power of players in Chrissy Tolliver, who's been and won a championship. When you have the star power of Elena Deldon, who's been to a championship, hasn't hasn't hoisted it yet, but has been there before, I think it's a little bit easier and there's less pressure on him versus with Nikki. It's going to come down to the game plan and whether or not the players believe in the game plan and can work forward on that. What are your thoughts, Pat? Well, I mean, the thing is you've got – can you repeat again? Sorry, can you repeat what you said again? Just like synopsis real quick, Frank. Well, I just I feel like game planning wise, the the advantage goes yeah. to Nikki, but then it comes down to the players. Yeah, the well, team. the thing is, like, she just has, you know, what she has done with that team, obviously. And I I go back to like the culture thing, and I think that's the thing. I I, I remember last year interviewing her when she was still an assistant for Kurt in Connecticut. You knew she was a rising star. You knew she was kind of like the next young coach that was going to get their shot at. Um, you know, at a head coaching position, she was going to be next. And you just sat with her and she just, I remember interviewing her and she's just, she's really just so 
smart. I mean, you like just talking to her about numbers and the analytics and stuff and what she uses and, you know, how she coaches her players. And she's such a forward thinking coach that like, I was like, she kind of fits the mold of like going back to what I said of like the 21st century um, coaches that we have today in professional sports and, you know, at the, at you know, in not just the WNBA, but other professional sports leagues. And I felt like when I saw it, it was like, and you knew like what, what she was going to bring down to Atlanta and the way she was going to handle it. And you see how she interacts with the players and stuff during games and stuff. You can see why they execute well because she's created that, again, it's that culture that's about more than just the X's and O's. It's about more than just what goes on on the floor. It's about what goes on off the floor. It's about the entire experience. That It's not just about the end product, but it's about the process and getting there and the bits and pieces to getting to that point and everything that goes into it. So I think it's really, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's not a surprise given that like, from thinking about it, looking back to last year when I interviewed her, like thinking about now, I'm not that surprised thinking about like how she's been able to establish this so quickly. Yeah, I agree. You're making some great points, Pat. This is this is gonna wrap up this episode. I want to thank Brady for joining us. Um, just a reminder, folks, on ESPN News, the flagship station for ESPN, <laughs> 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. on Friday night will be the Game three of the WNBA semifinals. And, uh, yeah, you know what? Let's, let's do a little prediction. Um, we'll go down the line. I predict at home, D.C. DC gets – no, you know what? D.C. doesn't get the win at home. Atlanta pulls off the first win at home or away, if you will, uh, just because Del Don is a little, is a little off. Um, that's going to be my prediction. Rachel, you're next. I'm going to go with D.C. I think they're going to win. It's going to be a close one. Going to come down to the wire. Um, I think Washington's going to pull it off. Elena's going to be out there, and she's going to play very well. Uh, I will go with the Mystics. I think they get home. They get the win. I think we I think uh, we see Elena Deladon takes the court, and I think having her back on the floor lifts the team's spirits, You know, sends that energy and stuff. They feed off that home crowd in the – Jim at GW in uh, Foggy Bottom, and uh, I think they take care of business and they move within one game of the finals. I think Atlanta wins. I think they've got a little momentum after game two. I'm a little worried about how healthy Deladon is going to be, and I think sometimes that energy that comes from when a player makes a return can end up hurting a team. Not saying it will necessarily hurt Washington. But I think there is a potential for them to be maybe a little bit overamped or even a little bit over reliant on her. I think Atlanta is kind of clicking after after game two, and I think they're feeling like they don't have anything to lose, and that's when a team that plays the way they play is always at their best. There's there's nothing scarier than a team with their back against the wall. That's what Atlanta is. Tune in Friday night, WNBA semifinals to spend the WNBA Insider Show.